Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Everyone, welcome to uh, this meeting. My name is Brad McKelvin, Brad Ilm, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Welcome to the panel on brutal and rigorous, rigorous honesty. I'm going to be moderating for the panel. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the essay message, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. We will begin the meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can to change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will, my mind be done. Do we have someone that would be willing to read the essay purpose on page 201 of the white book? Okay, thank you. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other so they may resolve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement of membership is a desire to stop helping become sexually sober. There is no duty of fees for us in membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, either endorses more focused on Thank you. Our panelists for this session are Ron W. and Tim T. and myself. We'll share for about 10 minutes on the topic, and then we'll open the meeting for sharing. Please join me in welcoming the panelists. That Ron's going to start us off. Good morning. Uh, I'm Ron, and I'm a sexaholic. So I had an opportunity to be on. Uh, Jerry said, "Here's three topics. Would you be on one of the panels?" And I chose the one that I thought I needed the worst, the most. So uh, uh, rigorous honesty. I, I, I'll be real brief about an inter- my introductory comment. But I grew up in a family with a lot of secrets, and I learned that you keep secrets and that was almost from the time I was an infant so I think that I grew up in a uh, in a home environment that honesty was uh, really not patterned very well not modeled very well I don't think we told my family told a lot of outright lies we just didn't didn't tell important things like I didn't know until I was 10 years old that my father had been married before and there's a there's another part of that, and when I tell people this, I say, "Wait a minute, your how's this work?" 
My father was married to my aunt the first time, which was my mother's older sister. She passed away uh, with a with a complicated uh, pregnancy, and so then two years later, my dad married my mother, which was my his first wife's sister. So when I tell people that, they think about does that make you your own grandpa? <laughs> so, so anyway, it is a little. Say so my my dad's first wife was my aunt, but I didn't know that until I was ten years old. So I thought, that's a fairly significant. And so that was just an example of all the, the many things that we just didn't didn't talk about in my family. So with all that said, I kind of grew up in a uh, in a setting that was not very honest. We know we just didn't talk about things that were very meaningful. So when I was thinking about this subject, I looked up some definitions of uh, rigorous honesty, and I think our program says brutal and rigorous honesty, and rigorous and brutal are similar but not exactly the same. So a definition of rigorous is extremely thorough, exhaustive, or accurate, Mm -hmm. adhering strictly or inflexibly to a belief, opinion, or way of doing something. Rigorous means very active or severe. It's an adjective. An example of rigorous is the amount and type of exercise done by Olympic athletes. Honesty is a facet of moral character that connotes positive and virtuous virtuous attributes such as integrity, truthfulness, straightforwardness, including straightforwardness of conduct, along with the absence of lying, cheating, theft, etc., Honesty also involves being trustworthy, loyal, fair, and sincere. Another definition is of honesty is the quality of being truthful. It's a noun. Um, an example of rigorous honesty is telling the truth after doing something wrong, knowing that there are there may be consequences to that. So those uh, and our book, our literature says those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So one of uh, recovery's great spiritual gifts is the courage to live an authentic life. (coughs) One of the first things we say in essay meetings, I say, hi, I'm Ron, I'm a sexaholic. That is the first first point of being being rigorously honest. (coughs) It's also the first of the 12 steps. Being honest that I am powerless. This is a big step for any addict uh, because we have built a separate life of dishonesty. <clears throat> we may have been honest about parts of our life, maybe even most of our life, but our life of addiction was not based on honesty. Thus, being rigorously honest in, in all our affairs is a new concept, to, at least to me as an addict and maybe maybe to many addicts. Um. <clears throat> uh, so for me, I had to come to a realization that rigorous honesty meant not only telling the truth, but not keeping secrets. There's a difference in privacy and secrecy. I've learned that in recovery. Um, everyone has, hasn't earned the right to know everything, nor would it be helpful. That's private. But secrecy is keeping, keeping things to yourself that really should be shared, at least with those uh, to whom you're close. Um, how do I share my feelings and emotion? And uh, by saying one thing, it hurt me when you accused me of blank. That's just sharing, being willing to share my emotions. Uh, or saying, I'm really struggling today with the objective. This is to my wife. I'm really struggling today with the objectification of these women wearing provocative clothes. 
I'm struggling with euphoric recall of those in my past. I'm struggling with shame of the things I've done in my past. It's sharing my emotions, not just the, not just the facts. Let me ask you a few questions here. Is it honest to answer only the, the direct questions my wife asked, but not give her the answers to the questions she did not know to ask? Yes or no? No, that's not honest. Is it honest to keep things to myself and not tell others whom are affected because they did not ask or did not ask exactly the right question? No. Answer is that no. <clears throat> I'm having to learn to be honest with myself. In it. And uh, I would encourage you to take just a moment and think of recent conversations that you may have had, even as if in your own head. Um, am I being honest with myself? Because being honest with myself is one of my greatest struggles. I want to minimize the, the impact of my uh, my addiction uh, on on my wife, my family, the world around me. Uh, and I'm trying to ask myself, how would I feel if I were rigorously honest with myself? How would I feel internally? Because rigorous honesty has to start here. And here, it can't just start with the things um, things I say to others. What what do I do? First of all, I'm I'm learning and I'm, I'm working on this. I pause before answering a question or responding to a statement. I try to think through the conversation or the response. Is my answer or response honest and thorough? Am I being honest with myself? What have I left out? When I miss a mark, I go back and correct it. We all have that opportunity of step 10. You know, have I done something that I need to correct today? <clears throat> rigorous honesty, to me, rigorous honesty is not brutal honesty. Brutal honesty implies being so black and white, or black or white, that we are hurtful to others. Um, brutal means tactless, hurtful, hurtful, candid openness, completely disregarding another's feelings, hopes, dreams, or desires. So there is a difference. I had a couple of things that, uh, quotes from others. Those who boast about being brutally honest are usually more brutal than honest. <laughs> uh, another example. This is brutal honesty. Honey, do these pants make my butt look big? If you say yes, is that being rigorously honest? No, that is not being rigorously honest. That's being stupid. <laughs> So rigorous honesty for me is not lying to myself, minimizing the hurt I've caused others, or telling only part of the truth. It is also not being so blunt and tactless that I devastate others in telling the truth in such a way that I give them unnecessary pain. It's a courageous way to live, and it's a very transparent way to live. In recovery meeting, you talk about your soul, you talk about your life, your trauma, your pain. So the foundation of recovery, and one of the reasons it's so successful that you build intimate, genuine Authentic, transparent relationships that sustain you throughout life. It is being transparent so others can look at me and, and know what you see is what you get. And I have some, this is a little poem that I, I, uh, I found about honesty. What is honesty? Is it a sense of integrity? Does it come naturally? Is it complex, applied contextually? Honesty is indeed painful, a conflict of ethos or being comfortable. It's a tag given to your good deeds for people who shun their lust and greed. It's perception is being true and nice. It's a struggle between desire and compromise. It's indeed a difficult virtue to nurture. It's in fact related to society and culture. 
ultimately what is honesty? It's a virtue when valued changes destiny. And I sincerely believe that. Some other quotes, uh, these are not original with me. So you got a minute. You got a minute. Okay. Uh, I broke the law of honesty. It didn't hurt at all. I broke the law of gravity. I didn't mind the fall until I reached the bottom and destiny did meet. Learn my lesson late but well, O oh, truth, to plant my feet. Uh, this is from Abraham Lincoln. I believe it is an established maximum in morals that he who makes an assertion without knowing whether it is true or false is guilty of falsehood, and the accidental truth of the assertion does not of the assertion does not justify or excuse him. Uh, This is from Dr. Seuss. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. Uh, Peanut says, "Being honest may get you a lot of friends, but it does. But it may not get you a lot of friends, but it does get you the right ones." And my last comment: Honesty is better than sugar-coated bullshit. <laughs> Thanks, Good morning, I'm Sam. I'm a recovering sexaholic. For uh, for me, I think uh, Chapter 5 from the A Big Book has, has already been uh, alluded to. Um, there's some things in that chapter that set the tone for me when it comes to honesty and, and the sentence that reads, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. So my journey with rigorous honesty began before I came into these rooms. Uh, it began a, a little over 10 years ago when I was talking to a trusted friend and mentor uh, and I was complaining because I, I was deeply addicted to pornography, and I was complaining because my so-called accountability partners never could keep me accountable enough to keep me away from pornography. And my trusted friend and mentor said, well, it sounds like you need a sponsor. And those were very difficult words for me here. <coughs> And along with that came the implication, if I need a sponsor, that must mean I need a 12-step program. <laughs> so I had a choice to make. Would would I, could I be honest with myself or not? And, and I wasn't really sure. I wasn't 100% convinced that, that I was an addict. But I decided to to come to my first meeting and to my second meeting and to give this way of life a chance. And I discovered that honestly, yes, I did in fact need a sponsor. And yes, I did need a 12-step program of recovery. Uh, My next test with rigorous honesty came at my first meeting. At one's first meeting, uh, there's the opportunity for a newcomer breakout session. And so I went to that newcomer breakout session, and and I knew going in that I could play it safe, that I could be really general about what I struggled with, that that I could hide maybe my deepest, darkest secrets, the, the driving force behind what landed me in these rooms. So I had a choice to make. Could I be honest with myself and with others or not? And And something deep within... 
probably the voice of my higher power, told me that I would never recover if I didn't get completely honest. So in that moment, in my newcomer breakout, I told the truth. I told the whole truth. I told the nature of what I was struggling with. I told exactly what landed me in these rooms. And when I did, I found out that, that I wasn't alone. And, and it actually felt good to get that out into the open, to say that to some other human beings. Uh, there, there came my first public admission in a meeting when I introduced myself for the first time and I said, I am a sexaholic. Those were, were really hard words for me to utter for the first time and, and I wanted to believe that maybe there was some kind of misunderstanding. And what I had to go back to is that test. That test that's in the very front of the white book that has, I think, 20 questions and I'm a high achiever, and I scored really well on the test. So I knew, I knew I was a sexaholic, and I had to be honest about it. And over the past 10 years, rigorous honesty has really become a guide for me, uh, a very welcome guide in my life. It's been my guide as I've worked through the 12 steps, every time I've worked through the 12 steps, especially the first time I worked through the 12 steps especially when I first took my Step 4 inventory. And I had to look not only at the things that others had done to wrong me, but I had to look at myself and ask, what have I done to contribute to this? I had to admit for the very first time to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. And that was that contains some pretty humiliating and embarrassing things. Uh, and, and the big book on page 73 says, we have not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until we told someone else all our life story. And for the first time, I told another human being all my life story. Honesty has been my guide as I've looked at my own character defects, and I, I came face to face with two character defects that, that I swore up and down that I did not have, and that's pride and ego. Uh, honesty has been my guide as, as I made a list of those that I had harmed. And the very first time I went through that exercise, I said to myself, I haven't harmed anyone. What, what list do I need to make? Thankfully, honesty was my guide. Honesty has been my guide in my phone calls because I need to be brutally honest about the things I have experienced, the things I have seen, the things I have brushed up against, and the effect that they've had on me. And and it's amazing because usually there's a voice in my head. There's, there's a dialogue that goes something like this. I need to make a phone call. I don't want to make a phone call. <laughs> Because I don't want to make a phone call, therefore I really need to make a phone call. Honesty was my guide when a couple of years into the program, I had what I would call a near-slip experience. And I wrestled with the technicalities of our sobriety definition, and I wrestled with whether or not I should reset my sobriety. And... The way that I dealt with that is I called several people in this program and I told them honestly everything that had, had happened uh, and they guided me back. Mm -hmm. 
Honesty was my guide when, after a few years in the program, I started dating. I came into this program a single man, uh, now married, and I started dating. And I had to keep my sponsor completely informed of everything I was doing and everything I was thinking. Even if, even if it seemed silly, even if it seemed inconsequential, I had to check all of those things in. And, and that would set the stage because I would one day have to be honest with the woman who is now my wife and admit that I'm in a 12-step program recovering from sexual addiction. Honesty was my guide when, after getting married, after almost four years in the program, I reached a point and I thought, maybe I'm healed of this. Maybe it's time to move on. Maybe I don't need this anymore. And rigorous honesty brought me back to the conclusion that I can't live outside of recovery. Sometimes honesty is more like a nagging voice in my head. Uh, It doesn't stop until I pick up the phone, until I make that phone call, until I admit exactly what's on my mind. It can be a lustful thought. It can be euphoric recall. It can be a character defect. It can be someone that I've encountered during the day. Uh, But there's that definitive voice that tells me, make a call. And if I'm honest, and if I take that step, it blesses me immensely. Mm -hmm. I think in closing, I've come to look at honesty much more like a trusted friend. Uh, There was a time in my life where, where I would have said honesty was more of a liability, but now I look at it so much as an asset. Um, it's been with me every step of my recovery journey, and and it's a, a trusted guide for me as I go forward. I can't, nor do I want to do life without this foundation that honesty has become for me. Thank you for letting me share. Wow. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Brad, I'm a sexaholic. Really appreciate these shares uh, from these two gentlemen. Um, I'm reminded that an old timer I, I knew made a statement. He said, "Keep it simple does not mean dumb it down." <laughs> and you know what I heard right there was depth and weight. And I really appreciate that from you guys. That's powerful stuff, and uh, I won't forget what you said. Um, for me, just. My first experience with honesty, I was a young kid, and my brother and I had been dressed by our parents to go to some kind of activity. I, I don't know if it was a religious or what, but I remember we were we were in our good clothes, and we both asked if we could go outside and play. And my mom says, yeah, you can go outside, but don't get in the creek. Well, you know what we did. We got in the creek. We came back, we had dirt on our shoes and dirt on our pants legs, and she said, would you guys play in the creek? And we both said, no. No, we didn't play in the creek. And uh, we got punished for that. You know, we. my mom said, you know, i got to teach you guys a lesson about honesty. <coughs> so we got the discipline of the 1960s. Let's put it that way. And what I learned from that, I learned a lesson, a real important lesson about honesty, is that I need to get better at lying. You know, because I'm not going to get caught like that anymore. And so that was the, you know, that's what set in motion me and my addiction. 
And it, it turns out, as I get into this program, I start learning about re, about true honesty, real honesty, is that I pretty much broke every promise I ever made. Whether it was a vow or a promise or a commitment or I'm going to do this, I, I broke all of them. And that's how I came into this program. Honesty was for me more of a commodity that I would use when it benefited me. And I always wanted to be thought of as an honest person, but I didn't really want to you know, practice honesty as a spiritual principle. And I certainly didn't want it to be painful. It was to get me to where I needed to be. <coughs> I used to tell people, yeah, I'm a cheat, but I'm an honest cheat. You know? And that was kind of the way I thought of it. Um, I just wanted to read a couple more readings. I think we need to get them on the tape, and I'd like to just set these thoughts out here. One from the big book, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 30. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. We learn that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently may be, has to be smashed. And there's so many words in that little reading that I could jump on one is fully conceived to my innermost self. And I think about honesty and, and what I've learned about honesty in this program is one, stating the facts, as you guys said. Did we turn this timer on? I just thought about that. I don't want to just, yeah, okay. You got 30 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> stating the facts is approaching honesty. But what I'm learning is I have to be honest with myself. I have to fully concede to my innermost self the exact nature of my wrongs. The fact that I'm a sexaholic, that I'm not like other people. That I have a, a mental obsession and a physical allergy to lust. And that it will kill me. And, you know, that just wasn't the way it was before I got in the program. One of the things that I believe about honesty is I don't believe I believe that addicts do not get caught. <laughs> when I hear somebody say they got caught, what I what I think is if and when I say I got caught, I'll put it in the first person. When I say I got caught, what I'm really saying is if I'd have been just a little bit smarter, <laughs> they wouldn't have caught me and I could still be out there doing it. But what I've discovered more about my, my disease of, of sexaholism is that the truth just becomes real. It becomes evident. It becomes, it, it, it just occurs. And in my case, I basically just ran out of reasons to lie. I just ran out of lies. It wasn't a matter of getting caught or somebody confronting me. It was just a matter of, Hey, this is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do next. And if you guys don't like it, too bad. And it was basically going to burn down my life. You know, my wife, my kids, my home, 
my bank account, my my religious congregation, my job. I don't know what I would have lost had I gone through with what I was planning in my addiction. But I basically just ran out of reasons to lie. And addicts don't get caught. So, after a really painful relapse, two weeks after I'd started coming to SA, uh, my wife asked me a question. She said, how was the meeting? Questions like that are just hard to answer. And yeah, I had to pause. Like, let me think about how I'm going to answer this one. You know. And I said, I didn't go to the meeting. I went to her house instead. And my wife said, well, somebody's got to die. She didn't mean a physical death. She meant a spiritual death. And when she said that, my knees buckled. And I went to the floor. And I laid in the floor and had physical gut-wrenching convulsions for some length of time. And that was my moment of truth. That was when I, fu- I began to fully concede to my innermost self that I'm a sexaholic. That I'm, I've got something that other people don't have. i got some kind of issue here. And that's when I went to a meeting and I got a sponsor the next day. And he said, are you doing all right? And I said, no. He said, do you have a sponsor? I said, no. He said, well, I'll be your sponsor. And that's how things got started for me. And I did a thorough first step. For me, I had been through the 12-step programs times before, but I knew I'd never been thorough. I'd never been complete. I'd never been totally fully honest. I'd never done anything like that. It was more of a facade for me. So I knew I had to do a thorough first step, and I did. I wrote every sexual experience I could remember from when I was a little boy until I was 51 years old. And I put them all on paper, and I wrote about them. And I wrote on one page, and I left the back black page on the other side blank because I knew there would be more to add in. You know, and not everybody needs to do that, but that's what I needed to do. And that was my first experience with being honest with myself. And a couple other things when I did that first step writing, I did it at the Blue Portable in Nashville. I don't know if you guys know that portable or not, but it's kind of our unofficial clubhouse. And there was one room where they did the meeting, and there was a second room that was usually empty. So I'd go to that empty room every afternoon, and I would write. And when the when the meeting ended, I could hear it through the through the wall that was about that thick. I could hear them ready to stop, and I'd go in there and pray with them. And that gave me the safe place where I could begin to face myself, similar to a first step a uh, uh, newcomer's meeting. But I had to have you guys, this fellowship, to keep me safe. Because some of that stuff is painful. And it was it was hard to face. And then the next thing about honesty I wanted to share was uh, when I got to the fourth and fifth steps. And I love the phrase, the exact nature of my wrongs. And what I've learned is the exact nature of my wrongs is what's deep down inside me with those old ideas, those old thoughts, those old attitudes. And I'll share one and finish with this. When I was a kid, I started stealing from my dad. He had a change bucket, 
And I would pull money out of that change bucket and go buy whatever outside issue I wanted to buy from my friend Herbie at high school. And I was stealing to get by drugs. So I started stealing then. I stole from other people. I stole at every opportunity. I had all these lists of activities I had completed in the nature of stealing. So I come to this this very uh, bright conclusion. I'm a thief. You know? So by listing all those things I had done, I got to one more truth about myself. I'm a thief. And I might still be tempted this morning, today, to go out there and get a a book off the literature table or or something. That kind of thought will run through my head. But what happened with the exact nature of my wrong, when the fourth and fifth steps, is I look at that behavior, I conclude I'm a thief. And then deeper down inside, I realize the attitude is, I think I deserve something for nothing. And as long as I have that attitude, I'm going to be a thief. I'm going to be tempted to steal. I'm going to do something. Steal time for my employer. But when I start working on that change of attitude, when I start giving that up and really stop working on it, and start letting my higher power work on it instead. And I focus on doing recovery, what you guys are teaching me. Then, the exact nature of my wrongs, that attitude, begins to disappear. And I get something new in return. And for me, what happened was, how about doing an honest day's work for an honest day's pay? That was a new idea for me at age 51. Most people learn that in kindergarten. It took me five decades to learn. And so what happens in this program is I I, I yield those deep, dark attitudes that were running my addiction, and they get replaced with new thoughts, new ideas, a new design for living, as the book says. And I love what was shared. Honesty is to God. It's a friend now. It's not an enemy. We talked about brutal honesty. I know it's time for me to be be quiet, but we talked about brutal honesty, and brutal honesty is not in the literature. We couldn't find it. I asked several people, where is brutal honesty? And if somebody in here knows where to find it in the literature, please let me know. But we couldn't find it. Brutal implies punishment. And it's important for me to remember, this program is not about punishment. This program is about healing. It's about comfort. It's about learning to live a life of purpose without creating harm every day. Going through the day without busting people's chops because I'm self-centered. It's about learning to be honest and learning to have comfort. So brutal honesty to me implies something painful. And we have pain, but it's not that kind of violent pain. So I'll be quiet, and let's see what we need to do next. Um, Here are the guidelines for sharing. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during the meeting. We do not cross-talk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing individual members. We speak in the I, not the we, or the you. 
We leave our other identities at the door, including politics, religions, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the SA point of view. Our meeting focuses on solutions to our SA approach to recovery. Whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not SA or AA-approved literature. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. In sharing, if a speaker brings up a controversial topic or deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. Please note that your shares will be recorded. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check-in, please find a temporary sponsor, someone with the purple stripe on their name tag, after the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share, please come up and sit in the chair next to the microphone in queue. As one person moves to the sharing chair, the others just move over and another person takes the empty chair. So that as many members as possible have a chance to share, please limit your sharing to a maximum of two minutes or less. A stop sign will remind you when you have reached two minutes. Please speak into the microphone so that all the so that those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion. Okay, so the meeting is now open for sharing, and we'll just step outside, and you guys can come up and take our chairs. I'm Robinson, sexaholic. Hey, Robinson. Um, thank you for the talks, guys. I, I really appreciate um, this concept of rigorous honesty, and for me, it's been a big <clears throat> difference maker in my own program. So I wanted to share. Um, actually, I wanted to share something that happened yesterday <clears throat> that uh, kind of similar to what Ron was talking about. You know, the you know how much do I say it to my wife? If, you know, basically what happened was she kind of said something in kind of a cryptic way to me about something that was going on. We were going through this week and I didn't get quite the response I wanted. And so like all day long, it was just eating me alive, the fear and anxiety of, you know, this upcoming conversation we were going to have when I got home and <clears throat> I couldn't make sense of it. And I was really struggling throughout the day just with anxiety. Um, but I went to a meeting yesterday and we read 10 step and, uh, I always, you know, try to, you know, do my 10th step in my head and not really write it out. And one of the things we read was writing it out. Uh, when Tim talked about pride, um, I can definitely say that's, that's a struggle for me. I'm too proud to actually sit down and write things out when I'm having a problem. Um, <clears throat> but I did that yesterday and it like really clarified what was going on, what was going on in my head. And so I kind of had, you know, on paper, the amends that I needed to make when I got home. And um, that really, really helped me yesterday. So I'm a big believer of writing things out. I mean, that, you know, is something that I haven't really done a good job of, but it made a big difference for me yesterday. And last thing, I, I wanted to read this part, uh, something that Brad said about the pain made me think of this line in the white book that says, um, <clears throat> this is why there must be those in meetings who are hurting or who have hurt badly enough to break through into honesty and surrender. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, group. I'm Garota. I love relationship and sex addict. 
First of all, thank you so much to um, all the panelists. Uh, gosh, I, I really need to hear this. This has been probably the most challenging thing for me in my recovery is brutal honesty. Mm. And I certainly appreciate the distinction between a brutal and rigorous honesty. Because um, I think there's a fine line and I have sometimes issues with it. Like, okay, am I going too far yeah. if I'm being really rigorous or am I being brutal? Mm. Um, but I did want to share something that really kind of resonated with me through, because of the shares. Um, I think the rigorous honesty for me really became a true or had a real, a real test when I had to give a formal disclosure to my husband. And it was about two years ago. And I remember my therapist telling me I have to list everything I did with how many people and when, what time. I mean, everything. It was, it was so uncomfortable for me. And I, <laughs> the first time I heard him, like, there's no freaking way. I will go to hell <laughs> before I say anything. I will die before anybody knows my secrets, let alone my husband. And she kept reassuring me, you know, you just have to surrender and let it go. And just, this is what needs to be done. And so I trusted her. And a day before the marathon, we had a formal disclosure, and I told my husband everything. I mean, the things that I didn't want to admit to myself. And I remember as I'm reading through it, I'm feeling like I'm sinking more and more. And I'm just like, okay, there is no going back now. <laughs> the more words I'm reading, the more I'm sinking. And, of course, he left the room a couple times. Couldn't, he had to compose himself and come back. But the next day... It was the God-given gift. He reached out to me with tears in his eyes. said, I'm sorry we had to go through all this. I love you and I forgive you. And now we can start clean. <laughs> I cannot even begin to explain the feelings that I've had at that very moment. Because I honestly lost hope the night before that we will stay together, that he will ever forgive me. And um, I'm finishing up. And the fact that he was able to forgive me after hearing all this the very next day, that was, to me, the most remarkable work of my higher power. Um, you know, So that was a testimony for me because from that point on, I knew I'm starting clean. Clean slate. All the garbage is behind me. Nothing is stuffed in me anymore. I'm clean. I'm pure. I can live. So that was very freeing. And I'm... A 100% proponent of the rigorous honesty. So thank you so much again. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, thank you to the moderators. I appreciate the readings, um, especially the one from Chapter 5, how it works. Um, there's, when I first came into the, well, before I came into the program, I, uh, as what was said, you know, I, I got, quote-unquote, caught, which, you know, just another word of the truth being revealed. Um, I spent six months lying about the things I had done. I admitted to enough of the truth to seem plausible that, okay, I have a problem, I'll get help, and we'll move on. Um, and it wasn't... It wasn't the fact that I didn't want to be honest with my wife about what was going on. It was that the reason I was lying was because I couldn't bring myself to admit to myself what I had been doing. And, you know, and how it works, it says rigorously honest with themselves. Um, 
that was the biggest problem that kept me from being honest with another person was I wasn't being honest with myself, that my problem was that bad. Um, that the things I were doing were hurting another person. So it wasn't until that I could admit to my innermost self um, that I had a problem, that I didn't wasn't able to be honest with another person until I took that step to admit to myself. Um, so that's always an important distinction for me. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Hello. I'm David, so excited. Um, I really like what was shared about brutal honesty. Um, for me, some of my bottom line behaviors can be um, like lust for family members, and I discovered that over Christmas break. And then it's not there yet, but, like, if I continue in lust, it could be, like, lust for children. Um, and and that, that piece on uh, being accurate, it's not there yet. Like, so I, like, realize that, hey, I'm not lusting. I'm not actually there yet. I'm not actually, like, if I do lust right now, it'll take a week or whatever. But then maybe after a week, I'd lust for children, you know. And it's like... Um, very, very difficult, um, and also kind of it helps to, for me to like learn how to love myself in all that while being brutally honest, um, is also a challenge and difficult and something I'm learning. Um, and additionally, I need, if, if anyone can help me cite, uh, anything in the program, cause we say that, um, yeah, when your wife says, does this dress make, make my butt look big? Of course we say, the answer is no, <laughs> wife. Um, and so, too, you'd ask the question of if you're um, in Germany and Nazis are like, are you hiding any Jews and you have them in your house, you would so, too, say, heck no. <laughs> right? And um, that's kind of what we think. Uh, but the question would be from a... if. Um, Really, it's just if anyone has any can share from their experience, strength and hope, um, or AKA um, cite anything in the literature that would suggest that um, honesty is dependent on context. Uh, that would be helpful for me. Thanks for letting me share. My name's Sean. I'm a sexaholic. Before I can lie to you, I have to lie to myself. And then I have to believe the lie. I have to convince myself that it's okay for me to lie to you. And it's not. It's never okay. It's never okay for me to be dishonest with someone. But in order to do that, I have to fool myself into thinking that it is okay. Before I can be honest with you, I have to be honest with myself. And that hurts. It's painful because... I really don't want to know the, the depth that I'm willing to go to do the things that I do. But when I finally cross that line, then I can be honest with you. And then I have to be careful because sometimes I can be brutally honest. And I want to be brutally honest because there's some things I just want to spit out. But it's not beneficial to do that. That's why we have sponsors instead of groups. That's why we have accountability partners. And 
I have to I have to learn to be careful when I'm honest, where I'm honest, and with who I'm honest. And then also I have to be careful that my honesty doesn't trigger. Because sometimes you know when I spew stuff out, I'm I'm not really helping I'm not really I'm trying to help myself and I'm hurting others. So there's a there's a there's like a, a, a line and it and it and it shifts depending on who I'm talking to. But before I can identify where that line is, I have to decide where that line is within myself because sometimes I'm being honest simply because it's triggering. Thank you for letting me share. Good morning, I'm Chris. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Chris. Um, so, like, like some of the shares, I, I grew up uh, with a lot of secrets in my family. And uh, my father was the youngest of eight. And he was born in the 30s. and So I grew up very old-fashioned as far as corporal punishment. So I learned also how to lie. Um, to avoid physical punishment. Um, last last year I came here. This is my second marathon. Um, so I was about six months into the program, and I was working along at a pretty good pace. I'd finally found, you know, I think a solution to something that always I always felt uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, then I got to about step eight, step nine. I was terrified of my full disclosure, and I worked with my sponsor for probably two months praying and to get the courage to to do my full disclosure and then I did um, in July of last year and, and you know all hell broke loose as I feared it would and the consequences are still coming to fruition and, and still growing but um, but I keep I talk to you know then in the program and I you know please tell me I did the right thing please tell me I did the right thing and you know yeah they all keep telling me, you know, you did, you did the right thing, and so what was said today, that, you know, you could never really recover if you were not honest with yourself, so, and I didn't want to be one of those that on my deathbed felt like I had to divulge and vomit out all my sins, I, at least on my deathbed, I won't have to, I won't have to do that, I can go to my maker, you know, in peace, if anything, um, what I would, if I died, or was dying tomorrow, I would want to have been able to express my love for family and, and such uh, better. And so that's what I'm working on now. That's what this has allowed me to do is to start working on my spirituality and by being honest, being more free um, to get to know my fellow human being better and, and develop better relationships. Thank you. I'm Dan W., recovering sexaholic. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that someone mentioned we don't actually have the word brutal honesty anywhere, but I've heard it so much, and I kind of I I kind of like it, but I've never seen it so much as being brutally honest with other people as being brutally honest with myself. Because one of my favorite things is to kind of swing back and forth between being like really easy on myself and then really hard on myself and never just being honest with myself. <laughs> um, you know, when I first did like, you know, first, second step and get like the whole inventory of my acting out behaviors, you know, I tried to pour 
everything out that I could think of, get it all down on paper, everything I ever did, and it was like a year and a half later, I realized at one point, I was like, there is something that I buried away so deep, even after working for like three months to write down my inventory of sexual acting out, I was like, and I'm ashamed of this. I was like, so I'll just, you know, have to die with this apparently. And I buried it so deep I didn't even realize it. So then I had to go back and I told my sponsor, had to bring that out in the open. And, you know, of course it wasn't, it wasn't like some big deal, you know, to share it with my sponsor. And it made it, it made that weight so much less. Um, growing up, I had realized, um, I tried to tell my parents, like, I cheated on math. I was really bad at math. I couldn't do math to save my life. So I was cheating on math for, like, two years. And I remember telling them at one point, they caught me. They caught me. Or I wasn't smart enough to, you know, avoid being caught. And they were like, how long have you been doing this? And I was like, okay, honest, two years. I, like, haven't done a math problem. Like, <laughs> And they were like, no, come on, tell us the truth. And I was like, uh, no, two years. And they're like, that's not possible. And it, it kind of, it kind of taught me, like, doesn't matter what you say, people aren't gonna believe you. And it started this pattern. So I'm so glad that here, I can be rigorously honest, people will believe me, and I don't have to protect parts of me and try to keep something ugly and hidden. So, thank you for letting me share. Uh, I'm Ron. I'm still a sexaholic. One thing that I, as uh, I looked at this uh, whole concept of rigorous honesty, uh, brought me back to a comment my wife made. And I went through full disclosure uh, almost two years ago with therapist present. And uh, and I told her ahead of time, I said, you you know most of the things, but you're going to hear it all at once. It's going to be a lot. And uh, so one thing she told me that I'll, I'll never, a lot of things she said I'll, I'll never forget, but one thing she said was, well, all the affairs you had are very painful, but your line about it was more painful. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's in two support groups with other women, and she said that's pretty universal with the women that I'm in. The lying is more painful than the affairs or the whatever the the uh, uh, sexual addiction, however it manifests itself. So I realized that helped me understand even more the importance of rigorous honesty, what, how important that is in, in life. So. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. We've got time for about one more share. Hey, everybody. I'm Dave. I'm a sexaholic. Okay. Um, what I have to realize, um, honesty for me has to start with uh, with recognizing the lies I tell myself, and there are a pile of them. And the one of them is no one will know. Another one is uh, this isn't hurting anybody but me. Um, and another one is if I don't say it, it can't be a lie. <laughs> but but there's one lie that has been that I've been telling myself over and over and over and over and it is the core of all of my other lies it is the core of all of my 
defects. It is the um, and that lie is the one that I can't quote it because your rules say I can't say those exact words. But it starts with stupid. And you are stupid. And then it starts with another epithet. And then it follows with another epithet after that. And that lie um, cuts out my higher power. That lie cuts out the love that anybody else has. And that's that's one that I think helped me need to be in these rooms for a long time <laughs> until uh, they carry me out. How's that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we got three minutes left. And, uh, I just want to remind everyone that, that our white book has some cautions about full disclosure. And if you're not familiar with that and you're in that state, uh, please talk to someone about there you go. <laughs> about the uh, essay suggestions in that area. All right, where are we? Jerry, you're never going to want me to moderate again. <laughs> That's all the time we have. Thank you for participating. Please join me in thanking our panel and everyone else that shared. you didn't get to share this meeting is is over but the conversation never has to end anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant the principles of SA are found in our 12 steps of traditions this is an anonymous program please keep the name address and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an SA to yourself and what you say here let it stay here Remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, or films. Neither does anyone speak for any for SA. Let's circle up. And uh, Dave, would you mind picking a prayer for us? If you're uncomfortable with holding this, I don't know what we're supposed to do. We're I hear there's hand sanitizer elsewhere. Um, How about a moment of silence for those who are still hurting? Stranding prick. God of God, I have been serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. The courage to change the things that I can, and then the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, my mind, be done. Keep coming back if it works, if you work it. God work every day, every night, if you're worth it. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.